Jacked and Canned, featuring John Tessman and Colby Tyler, a place where you will get the information you crave and hear about the topics that you love. Presented by themselves. Coming to you from the basement, bar, and the bedroom. Sponsored by no one. Jack and Can. Ah, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sports Roundtable with Jack and Canned. So, I know that we want to get right into it tonight because we still got to record our full episode where you're going to get all of the personality that you're used to. Yes. So, John, let's dive right in because I'm going to ask you how you're doing next episode. We don't even got to worry about it right now. So, first thing that I got for us here with the Roundtable, there was a three-team trade recently that got some picks moved around. No players involved. But essentially, it was between the Dolphins, the Eagles, and the 49ers. And so what we got here is the Dolphins got the Niners, or the uh, Niners got the Dolphins, rather, their number three (laughs) overall pick. The Dolphins got the number six pick from the Eagles, a fifth round 2021 pick from the Eagles, first and third rounders of 2022 from the Niners, and a first round 2023 pick from the Niners. Incredible. So the Dolphins got a damn haul. And the Eagles got the number 12 pick from the Niners, a fourth rounder from the Dolphins, and a first rounder from Miami for next year. So what this tells me is the Niners have really bit in here, and you got to think that they're going with a quarterback. I can't assume that this is anything other than a quarterback trade because I don't know what else you'd be putting in that kind of capital for. I mean, they gave away a lot. The Dolphins and the Eagles both got phenomenal hauls for this. Now, it's funny. I was actually arguing with an Eagles fan that's a friend of mine because he thinks that the Eagles just wasted their season already. I'm like, well, you basically traded two picks and got three. As far as I'm concerned, you got a future first rounder. You got still in the first round. It's not like at number six, you guys were going to be taking a quarterback. You're going to give Jalen Hurts another year regardless. And you also got an additional pick. I actually think it's a really good move from the Eagles. The only thing with the Niners, man, if they go and take, say, for example, Justin Fields or whatever the case may be for who's there at number three, and that doesn't work out, then all they did was waste everything that they got going on as far as draft capital in the future. Dude, it's it's going to be interesting. Where do you think that's going to leave these teams? Because I found it interesting that it was the Dolphins and really Philly, obviously, benefiting the most i think in my opinion from the trade so and they have two younger quarterbacks so do you think that's even a thought in the mind of either organization of replacing a potential quarterback so the answer to that not in the answer of potentially replacing them my thought is that they both know they're giving their quarterbacks that they currently have one more year regardless with jalen hurts and Tua Tagovailoa. Uh. so my thought is that these guys are saying, hey, let's get the draft capital so that we can build the team around these guys to see if we have our quarterback, and we'll have to figure that piece out up after another year. But we're not going to be able to just put out there, okay, we're going to get a new guy right just now. That's not the answer for them because they haven't seen enough from the guys that they have. I mean, Jalen Hurts played, what, three, four games this year, and Tua played not too much more. I think he played in six games. I think. Okay, either way, I mean, that's kind of defeating the purpose of the conversation. Either way, both those quarterbacks are getting a chance next year. So 
ultimately, they just want to be able to get as many picks as they can for what they currently have so they can build around that team. The Niners were willing to give up so much to get up here, and you just got to hope for them. If you are a Niners fan, for me, I'm hoping that they do draft one of these quarterbacks, and it's the one that's a bust because I just want the Niners to go bleat themselves and get out of my way. (laughs) Hell yeah, man. Jimmy G, baby. Jimmy G, come on. We're going to see if he's going to still be around. Yeah, this is going to be the year for Jimmy G. I mean, there's no other option here. So, John, another thing that happened – the Bucks with the signing, the re-signing of Leonard Fournette, yes. return all 22 starters from last season. Now, granted, we got to give a little bit of something to this that I didn't see in the Twitter sphere when I saw what was going on originally because they're like, oh, they retained all 22 starters. Keep in mind that they did get Leonard Fournette at about the trade deadline, and I don't think he actually right. was their starter till the playoffs. I think they had um, Ronald Jones actually being their starter going into that. So. It's a little twisted as far as just Leonard Fournette's position, but the other 21 of them are all back. That is the first time that has happened since the salary cap began, uh, right around the time we were born. Dude, heck to the yeah, man. I'm excited. You know, I wanted them to keep that team kind of alive to just see if they could do it again. I mean, it's definitely something special over there. And I saw, obviously, there's a whole bunch of rumor mills going around, but I saw one of them was like Larry Fitzgerald possibly over there on Tampa. And I'm like, you know what? That would actually be kind of a cool fit to see. <laughs> How many more so, receivers can they possibly fit on that roster, dude? Hey, why they, not, man? Between yeah. you got Mike Evans, you got Chris Godwin, you got Antonio Brown, you got Scotty Miller. Actually, I, I can't say for sure. I assume that he's still there. I just haven't heard his name anywhere, so I'm assuming he is. <laughs> and then from the tight end perspective, you lord Gronk back for another year. You got Cameron Braid. You got O.J. Howard. You don't need another guy to catch footballs. You have a plethora. You have more than anybody else in the NFL in the art of catching the damn football. They they don't no. They don't need a Larry Fitzgerald. What what's he even going to do? He's going to sit on the bench and just in case somebody gets hurt, he'll be hey, there. Man, come in from time to time and catch touchdown pass. <laughs> you know Tom Brady will throw it over to him. That's for sure. Yeah, of course he will. I remember back when Larry was still in his prime. Him and Russ played at a Pro Bowl together. And Russell Wilson kept finding him left and right, and people were like, Larry Fitzgerald to Seattle, and that got me psyched. But, I mean, at this point, I mean, Larry Fitzgerald, in fairness, could come out and just do, uh, you know, a one-year relatively cheap deal, and it would work for him wherever he wanted to go. I just – he's not going to play much there. I don't, I don't think that's what he should be doing. I would love to see it, and obviously I would love to see Des join him too, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to transition this on that note. Uh, Colbs, I was actually watching a little bit of NBA action going on the oh. TV the other day. Yes, and I noticed that the Celtics were in the eight seed and they were fighting their way in to go ahead and get a potential, and I say potential playoff spot because I don't know how it's really looking for them. Um, I was watching the game that I tuned into. You'd be proud. It was the Bucks versus the Celtics, and that was a pretty damn good run of a game. And uh, Obviously, I was cheering on Kemba Walker, which he came out hot at the start of that game. And uh, I haven't really been following too many of the games as of recent and really at all through the whole season, I should say. I just catch a little bit at the stats, you know. So it was kind of cool to see him, uh, to see the players on the rosters uh, performing over there. And I noticed a couple games after the Bucks, the Celtics ended up turning it around. So now I'm starting to think, okay, are they going to make a run? Or what? 
No, so the problem with the whole Eastern Conference right now is that it's the Sixers and it's the Nets, and then there's the rest. Everybody between like seed three and seed 10, they're all within damn near five games of each other. Like none of the teams are standing out. Miami's battled some injuries. They just got a trade for Victor Oladipo, so that should help them kind of bolster what they have. But I really don't foresee anybody else in the East. It, Milwaukee included, by the way. I know Giannis is great, back-to-back MVPs, but he can't shoot the ball. So coming down the stretch against a really good team, you can't just trust putting the ball in Giannis's hands. He's not that dominant as a scorer. So ultimately, it's really Philly, Brooklyn, and the field. There, There is nobody else in the East. I mean, as far as the West goes, it's also pretty much essentially, as far as I'm concerned, I, to be honest with you, I I don't think Utah can do it. I don't think that Phoenix is ready. I The Lakers aren't healthy. This might be like a sneaky Clippers year just because no. the other teams in the West aren't doing that great. And the Lakers were when they were healthy, but currently they are unhealthy. And we got something that I'm going to bring up in the main episode too as far as the Lakers and the Clippers go, or the, the Lakers and the Nets rather. So we're not going to talk about any movement at this point, but yeah, I do Col- want to bring up. Yeah. Yeah. Colbs, I want to go ahead before we transition out of NBA talk as well. And the reason why I was so intrigued at tuning back in again is, you know, for uh, any new listeners that are just tuning into the episode, me and Colbs, we're recording from the great state of CT land. That means Connecticut. <laughs> Where there are yeah. no professional sports. Where there are no professional sports. We got <laughs> AHL, we got a couple, we got a double A ballpark, we got independent leagues and whatever. You know what I mean? But we got a pretty cool concert place in Hartford. Me and Colbs have had a couple of wild times. But this is the sports roundtable. That's for a regular episode. Dude, when I was watching the Celtics game, Kemba Walker, right? So I just had those kind of I don't know, visions, because me and you grew up in Connecticut in when Kemba really brought UConn. It was the year we graduated, John. Yeah, in NCAA championship. Yeah. So, and I'm starting to think, and I saw it literally was the eight seed. And you hear, and I'm like, yeah, Kemba's been underperforming and stuff. And I'm like, Kemba, do it. And I just said it in like my mind. It was some weird like mind talk going on because all of a sudden Kemba drops like 26, 28 points. The next game he drops like 20 something points as well. Yeah, that's good to see because Kemba has had a down season this year, like to a pretty large extent. That's been a little bit shocking, to be honest. But I root for him the same way that you do because I remember him that way. And even though I'm not necessarily a UConn fan, I still get behind UConn when they're good. I, I'm not going to yeah. sit here and say I'm a diehard. I'm not. I wasn't watching their game against Maryland in the first round of the tournament this year. Uh, like I'm not. I'm not into them like that. But when they're good, or if there's something that promotes me to believe, hey, they got a shot, I'll watch them. And Kemba brings back some really good memories. That step back mid range game he had in that tournament will forever live in my memory. And, dude, that's what I was almost thinking when I see him in the eighth seed. I'm like, oh, my God. Can you imagine if Kemba literally gets on fire again, scoring 20 to 30 points a game and carries him through the freaking playoffs? And it's like UConn National Championship all over again. I get it. I get it. It's the NBA. I totally get it. But I'm well, realistically, too, John, aspect. he is the third guy on that roster. It's Jason Tatum first. It's Jalen Brown second. And then it's. Kemba Walker so I get it that he has to find his place but his place still has to be putting up points because after that their team drops off from an offensive perspective they have a lot of good players but not a lot of great scorers 
in Colbs, I, I want to take this because I know we only have a little bit more time left, and I'm so sorry for stealing this episode from you. But what no, is no. up with these? What's up with these new role rules in the NBA of basically managing a player's time, upload time, or da- I, 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 so, I'm sorry, I'm hacking it, but I, I, genuinely I know what you're talking about. I know what you're yes. talking about. So what John is describing, if the audience didn't quite pick it up, load is management. That, yes, there it is. Thank you. <laughs> so essentially load management for those who are uninformed or uninitiated. Load management is the theory that a lot of analytical people are putting into their uh, whatever spreadsheets, whatever math they're coming out to, to where they're realizing if you play a player 36 minutes every night, they're going to be burnt out. And you've seen this with guys like James Harden and Russell Westbrook once the playoffs start. They all of a sudden are burned out. They got nothing left. And they don't have what it takes to get even through to the conference championship rounds, even when they were in their prime. And granted, James Harden still is, but Russell Westbrook already, like he's he's done for a career and it's because he wouldn't come off the court. Now, what they do is they like to take their players, especially their aging players, LeBron, for example, even, and they like to not play them more than say, they did this a lot with Tim Duncan in San Antonio. Tim Duncan always played about 28 minutes a night and that was it. Because at that rate, he can go all the way to the finals and still be the full-blown Tim Duncan that you see in game one of the regular season, with the exception of minor nicks and knacks, which every professional athlete experiences. Yeah. All right, dude. Well, I was kind of looking at it, and uh, I just find it interesting. They did the same thing in baseball a few years ago, trying to limit all this stuff. And Yeah, particularly with the pitchers. pitchers. <laughs> yeah, particularly with the pitchers for sure. But it seems like it's going across all different platforms of sports. Now, what's interesting is I wonder if the NFL is really going to like, I don't know, institute their own version of some sort of a load management kind of style. Because especially with the NFL announcing yes. the new 17-week uh, schedule of actually playing. They had one now, but they had a bye week. So this is 18 weeks, but 17 games weeks of game time. Yeah. W- I- it's crazy. I mean, I'm happy. It's one more week of football. I wonder why the hell they did it. I didn't look into it. So football, I think, has been a little bit sneaky about this, where football's actually had a little bit of this going on. They don't do it with their quarterbacks because they don't want their quarterbacks to not be out there because you're not going to win. And every game matters in the NFL. But you'll notice there will be games when a running back is out and it's a questionable with a knee injury or whatever. It's not always that the knee's really that banged up. It's just that, well, there's a little something there. Let him rest for the week. Let him get that knee fully back before we put him back out there. The NFL just does it a little bit more sneaky than the other leagues because the NBA will full-blown put out load management. <laughs> It'll just say that or out yeah. rest. It'll put it in that capsulation for everybody. But in the NFL, they always attribute it to an injury, but it's not always an injury. A lot of the times it can be rest, and you'll see it a lot of the times with running backs, defensive players, anything along those lines, guys that are taking contact very regularly, except for linemen, because for whatever reason, linemen are just like they're expected to be brick houses all around. This was Jacked and Canned. Tune in to new episodes on iTunes and check out what the boys are getting themselves into on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Jacked and Can. Presented by No One.